0: Alright, make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened, your tray tables in the upright and locked position, and open your Bible to Proverbs as we uh, continue our study in Proverbs. This is message number 42, we've been doing this a long time, uh, almost two years, and um, we're not quite done yet, we're, we're in probably the final phase, and so we're looking at, to- at Proverbs topically at this point, we've exhausted the uh, consecutive section, and so now we're studying it. Uh, from a topical standpoint, and we're in a, a mini-series on biblical friendship. And I don't know what you think about friendship. Uh, uh, you remember this book is originally designed and written for young people, so it might be good just right out of the gate to remember if you are a parent, if you are a grandparent, that uh, we need to be talking to our children, even our young adult children, even even our adult children, about biblical friendship. We know that, that, think about this. Remember the Apostle Paul? He writes to the people in Corinth, and Corinth was the sin city, the, the Las Vegas of the ancient day, right? So there's all sorts of crazy stuff going on. And Paul just just puts everything aside, and he speaks very directly to the Corinthians. Do you remember what he says to them about friendship? Do you remember? In that, in that sin-saturated culture, he says, bad company does what? Corrupts good morals. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three maybe? And that's the point. We need to be talking to our young people because all it takes, mom and dad, is one friend to undo years of the parenting investment you've put into them. And you know that. Some of you have had that experience. And so this is very important that we're talking to our children about their friendships, about the people that they hang out with, people that they might date or court or however you do romantic relationships in your family. Um, Very, very important. Uh, But we also remember, and we talked about this last time, that um, friendships are not something unique to young people, that God designed human beings to be involved in a network of relationships. So it would not be too strong to say... You need to have friends in your life. You need to be a friend in your life. And that friendship starts if you're married with your spouse. There's a proper friendship that's cultivated with your children. And, of course, that changes as your children move into adulthood. There's a friendship you have with your grandchildren, for those of you in that season of life. There's friendships that happen in the context of your neighbors, your extended family, your co-workers, the people you hit on the football field, uh, the people you go to school with. Um, all those sorts of things, God has put us in a network of relationships. And what that means is the things that we're going to talk about in Proverbs and the things we looked at last time are, are applicable to every person in this room in some dimension. Okay, so uh, if you missed last time, get the recording. I did put a quote on the top of your notes there, and I'm going to borrow Dave's notes because I don't actually have that in front of me here. But this summarizes what we did last time. Actually, Nick and Regine, can you close those doors um, the halls are not conditioned, and that messes with our air conditioning in here, so thank you so much. So if you missed last time, this is a summary of what the Bible teaches about biblical friendship, and this is where we started last time. This is from Derek Kidner's little commentary on Proverbs, and it literally is like that big. So if you if you like to build a library at home of good books that help you to understand the Bible and theology, that'd be a great little book to get Derek Kidner's... Uh, commentary on Proverbs. Very accessible. You don't need to know Hebrew or something like that to read it. Listen to Kidner. The neighborly qualities which Proverbs urges on the reader add up to nothing less than love, though the word itself is not prominent. And then this is a summary of what the Proverbs say about being a good neighbor, being a good friend. He is to be notably a man of peace, not only reluctant to start strife or to spread it, but disarmingly kind and generous in his judgments. He will realize that silence is often wiser than criticism. That a person who has failed should evoke help rather than contempt. And that the distaste with which one views another man may owe more to, the, to uh, one's own evil heart than to his. And for all this, his kindness must not overbalance into sentimentality. He must be able to keep his distance from some and enable to say no to an unwise transaction. We'll talk more about that today. And as promptly as he will say yes to a proper claim, the standard he upholds will be as much a service to his neighbor as the good things that he dispenses. Okay? So well said. If if we were trying to summarize it, I couldn't find anybody that did it better than Kidner. Okay? So we talked, that's the sort of person we want to be. That's the type of friend we want to look at, look for, develop. And what we want to talk about today is the friends you want to avoid. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Keith, I'm retired, okay? Um, my parents talked to me 40 years ago, 50 years ago, about the type of friends I don't... This, this is not for me when it comes to picking friends. That, that's, that's a lesson you have with your junior high student. Yeah, well, that's true. But I hope that you will walk away today seeing that even if you're in a retirement situation... There is a real danger in the people and influences that you put yourself into. Okay? So take that, and hopefully you will see the applicability of that. But let's talk first of all about the influence of friends. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24. And this verse sort of sets the table for everything we're going to talk about today. Proverbs 22, verse 24. And remember, this, is, this book is largely written by a dad, Solomon. And then, of course, uh, Solomon had some mighty men that came and uh, compiled some of his other sayings, his other proverbs, and acted as an editor, uh, adding parts of the book of Proverbs to what Solomon himself had written personally. And then there's some sections at the end, King Lemuel and some others that, that add to that. But mostly this is, this is a dad who's writing to his children. And, uh, and this is one of the, the key verses... Uh, in terms of the, the topics that he shares with his kids. 22-24. Do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man. Well, why not? And that's what kids are going to say. They're going to say, why, Dad? Right? Why, Mom? Well, look at the next verse. Or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. I've noticed something about being a grown-up. When we're young, we are more mindful, uh, young parents, right? We, we are more mindful of the influencers around our children, and, and so we're very proactive. Uh, we ought to be proactive. But you know what's interesting? As we get older, as we grow, we become less and less aware of the very influences in our life that are actually changing us, but we don't see it. Because we think it's a it's a junior high student issue. We think that's, that's the people that need it, they need to make good decisions about friends, and that's true. But the reality is, this verse applies to old people just as much as it applies to young people. That who we choose to hang around, the influences that we put ourselves uh, into have a massive effect. And 25 says, the reason you want to be careful is you put yourself around the wrong type of person and you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. Now notice, there's no footnote in this verse. Look at verse 25. Look there. There is no footnote that says there's an expiration date on this verse. Which means you can be 7 or 17 or 77 and this verse is still true. Now, let me let me just demonstrate that for you, okay? In our culture... The wrong type of friend could be, drum roll, please. Well, you got them there in your notes, so you, you know where I'm going. A social media or online friend. I would say the one of the unique facets of our culture is the most important, influential, world shaping, life altering influences that the average American has are people they've never met, because even in the church christians will make huge life-changing decisions ready on the basis of a blog on the basis of a social media post a facebook post a, a twitter feed a podcast now we're thankful because there's many godly forms of those things right with pastors and churches and teachers and bible scholars and and you know godly men and women that are that are infiltrating social media and online, and and praise the Lord for that, there are good influences there. But for every one good influence, you literally have millions of bad ones. And it may be, as you hear this, you're thinking, hey, I, I haven't been in junior high in 50 years. This doesn't apply to me. This is where you need to look. Because what you read online is shaping you. It is changing you. So everything we're thinking here about the Proverbs applies to online relationships, even though obviously... Solomon didn't anticipate that uh, in from a human standpoint, but God certainly anticipated it to the degree that everything we're going to apply here we see in, in proverbs does apply to online relationships how about this coworkers fellow students or teammates uh, i can I can remember in high school being in tr- involved in track and field and Not really having trouble in my life growing up. I think probably because my parents were really good at this with my mouth, with with profanity. But being on that track team and being around friends, guys that were way better than I was, and looking up to them, wanting to be like them, and, 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 and maybe saying, I know that's wrong, but when you're around it over and over and over and over again and it starts coming out of my mouth, and you go, oh man. So teammates, coworkers, fellow students, church friends—you think, hey, it's a church friend; they're safe. (laughs) Okay, mom and dad, don't make—if you're a rookie parent, do not make that mistake. Um, We live in the Bible Belt. We live in the Christian culture called Granberry. and just because a family is church-going doesn't necessarily mean that they're a believer. So we need to be careful there. A neighbor. A parent or adult child, okay? So any of those relationships can have significant impact. So, so expand what, what I'm going to say here, okay? Figure out what are the realms of my life. If you're retired, if you're a young parent, if you're single, if you're a student, wherever you're at, look at that list, and of course that's not exhaustive, and just say, okay, where are the relationships in my life that I might need to be careful, okay? Do you, do you have those in your mind? Where are the relationships in my life that I may need to be careful? And with that in mind, Let's talk about some friends to avoid. Turn with me in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10. And we're going to talk about several people that you want to avoid or be very cautious about. Right out of the gate, we are introduced to what we're going to call the troublemakers. The troublemakers. Proverbs chapter 1. Verse 10, Solomon introduces the book, uh, and he goes right, it, it's, it's, it's funny, he introduces the book, you have this nice, so picture, you, you, you turn on the show, right, and the credits roll, you have the title, and the producer, and a couple of the key actors, and the background music, and they're showing a nice landscape, okay, so that's what Proverbs does in verses 1 to 7. And then the very first scene of Proverbs cuts to the living room. And there's Solomon sitting, and his children are gathered, and he's pleading with them. He's saying, son, pay attention to my instruction. I'm about to tell you something that you need to know. Look at me, son. Put down your iPad. No, he doesn't say put down your iPad. Um, but, But the idea is pay attention. Do not forsake your mother's teaching, okay? And then watch right where he goes, starting in verse 10. This is the very first scene of the book. My son, if sinners entice you, don't consent. If they say, "Come with us, let us lie in wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without cause, let us swallow them alive like sheol, even whole as those who go down to the pit." Now, now notice Solomon is being hyperbolic here. Okay, it, it's I mean, friends aren't going to go, "Hey, let's go blow up that building." I mean, maybe they do. Maybe there's a I mean, maybe there is a friend that you really need to avoid. Okay, but I think Solomon is exaggerating here because that helps his children to pay attention a little bit. He's being creative. And so mom and dad, grandparents, remember the creativity part of talking to your kids. You're competing with the, with the Xbox. You're competing with social media. You're competing with the latest film. And there's no way you're going to give a better presentation than all those folks. okay? Because you don't have a multi-million dollar Hollywood budget behind your presentation. But you can be creative. You can do things in a way that draw your children in. That's what we see here. And he says, don't consent, don't go with them. Uh, They're going to say, we can get all kinds of wealth, we we can make all sorts of money doing this. Participate, verse 14, and then 15. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path, for their feet run to evil. They are hastened to shed blood. Indeed, it is useless to spread the baited net in the sight of any bird. But these... Troublemakers lie in wait, look at this, verse 18, for their own blood and they ambush their own lives. Son, you can go into that thinking you're going to get rich, you're going to have fun, you have a good time, and the reality is you're only setting up your own ambush. So be careful of troublemakers. Now, if you're a young person in this room, let me tell you something. Your mom and dad are much better way better. You're in T-ball, they are in the National Leagues, okay, when it comes to detecting troublemakers. Because here's what this, your mom or dad sit down and say, hey, tell me about Johnny. Oh, you know, know, I'm a little concerned about him. And this is what you're going to think, what's wrong with Johnny? He's a great kid you're just picking on me mom you just don't want me have, you just don't want me to have any friends do you and that's what you're young young person that's what you're going to be tempted to do and what i'm what i'm here telling you is your mom and dad have a radar system that you don't have it's called the troublemaker identifier radar system and you don't have that yet because it takes wisdom it takes maturity it takes experience in life to develop that so when they say that to you, they're not trying to ruin your fun. They're not trying to, to pick on you. They don't want you to have no friends and just be like, you know, it's, it's, it's you there imprisoned in your room for the rest of your life. No, they have a system that you don't have. And never forget that they love you more than any other person does. So listen to them. Okay? It may not be your mom and dad. It may be a grandparent. Okay? Listen to your godly grandparents. They've got way more experience... Listen to them they 're wise, okay, so avoid troublemakers that 's the first person you want to avoid. Number two, the filthy mouthers, the filthy mouthers, chapter two, verse twelve now now we we know this now again we 're barely into the the second chapter here okay we 're barely into the book. And notice he's already identified two different types of persons. Now, this is interesting. He's going to talk about drinking. He's going to talk about being lazy. He's going to talk about all these other things. But the, literally, the very first thing he talks about is who you're going to hang out with. And I bet, I bet we could go around the room, those of us that are old, and we could talk to the junior hires, the high school students, the college students that are here, and we could all give testimony to a time in our life when we hung out with the wrong person. And the detrimental effect. Could we all do that? Old people, would you raise your hand if you could do that? I won't ask you to do that. Could you raise your hand if you, if you had that experience like I did? Okay. So, so young people, learn from those of us that are older and, and probably didn't do it right in many ways. Chapter 2, verse 12. The filthy mouthers. Verse 11. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you. Verse 12. To deliver you from the way of evil from the man who speaks perverse things. From the man from those who leave the path of the upright to walk in the ways of darkness who delight in doing evil rejoice in perversity the perversity of evil whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways okay so young person and old people you can listen to um, this is so insightful Jesus said do you want to know what kind of tree you're looking at Good tree, bad tree. How do you know? What did he say back in Mark chapter 10? The fruit, okay? And there is one particular fruit, evidence in their life, if we translate the metaphor, there is one particular evidence of a person's life that shows you a direct pipeline into their soul. Luke chapter 6, verse 42 or 45? Is it 45? Okay. The mouth, Jesus talking, the mouth of, speaks from that which fills the heart. You will never have a clearer picture of who a person really is than if you pay very close attention to what they say. As Jesus says, there's a pipe, there's a conduit between your mouth and your heart. Man looks on outward behavior, only God looks on the heart. Right, we know that. That's in the Bible, 1 Samuel 16. But Jesus says when you listen to a person's words, that gives you more insight into their heart than most other things. So, co-workers, social media, radio talk show hosts, neighbors, friends, athletes, peers, how do they talk? We need, to be, we need to pay attention to that. We want to avoid the, the filthy mouthers, as I'm calling them here. The, the, the filthy mouthers. Those who are evidencing a filthy heart by what they're talking about. 15.28 says, The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. And that's the person we want to try to avoid. Okay. So avoid troublemakers, avoid filthy mouthers number 3, avoid the wicked. This is sort of a general category and I only gave you a couple of verses there but you can find all sorts of verses in Proverbs that talk about the wicked. Let's look at the first real section here in chapter 4 verse 14. What is the wicked? How do you know a wicked person? That's a great question. How are you going to know a wicked person? By their actions okay now now some have you noticed some people are kind of tricky you notice this you say well the mouth speaks out of that which builds the heart what if they're lying what if they're saying all the right things but their heart is far from the truth well that's where you have to pay real close attention because nobody lies perfectly nobody deceives perfectly and as you get to know a person you pay attention that's a, you know, when, when our, our young people are looking for the person to marry, and maybe some of you are in that season of life with your adult children, young adult children. Um, maybe some of you are looking at grandchildren that are in that season of life. Um, that's, that's a great reason why, if you think, hey, this is the person I need to marry, talking to your adult child or your grandchild, that's one of the reasons that you want to give it some time. And you want to see that person in lots of different circumstances. You want to see them in a very stressful situation. You want to see them in an environment where they would be provoked in some way. Uh, You want to see them uh, in all different realms of life around different people. What you don't want to do is isolate yourself, spend a few weeks and say, yep, this is her. Because you're not that smart. And the reality is, you need to see them around other people, other contexts. What do they like around your parents? What do they like around authority? Uh, if it's a guy, and you know you're, you're a girl, and you're thinking this is Mr. Wonderful, how does he treat other women in his life? How does he treat his own mom? Okay, things like that—they're very, very helpful because the wicked are really good at disguising their ways. So, chapter four, verse fourteen. How do we detect this person? 14, do not enter the path of the wicked, do not proceed in the way of evil. Notice it's, notice it's not just the wicked people are bad. It's don't go near them. Don't go into their path. In fact, it says here, avoid it, do not pass by it, turn away from it, and pass on. Can he say it any stronger than that? Don't be around wicked people. Why? Verse 16, For they cannot sleep unless they do evil, and they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness, they drink the wine of violence. Verse 19, The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Okay, so we want to avoid... The wicked, people whose lives give evidence. And notice how emphatic Solomon is here. Again, especially for our young people, but for old people as well. I'll read it again, okay? Do not enter the path of the wicked. That's one. Do not proceed in the way of evil. That's two. Avoid it. That's three. Do not pass by it. That's four. Turn away from it. That's five. Pass on. That's six. Six different verbs he uses here to say, don't go near, don't go near, don't go near, don't go near. Okay. We don't flirt with the wicked, we run away from them. Number 4. We want to avoid a group of people in, in the Proverbs we know as the fools. Now, this is not this is not a compliment, okay? You you don't want to be known as a fool. And uh as you read the book of Proverbs, are you guys still reading Proverbs by the way? Still reading Proverbs? Don't give up because we're not done yet. So keep reading. Um, you're introduced to different people. There's the wise man. We've talked about him. There's the fool. We've talked about him. There's the sluggard or the lazy man. There's the immoral woman. There's the naive. There's these different characters in the book of Proverbs. So we've talked about the fools before, but it's definitely a friend that you want to avoid. Look at chapter 13, uh, verse 19, and we'll just look at a couple of uh, texts here. You want to avoid the fool. Now, what's the difference between a fool and, and the wicked? Um, They have some similarities, but a fool uh, (laughs) largely doesn't know what he's doing that's wrong. A wicked person has more intentionality. He knows it's wrong, and he does it anyway. He loves it. A fool is somebody who just isn't learning. So listen to this. Chapter 13, verse 19 desire realized is sweet to the soul but is the abomination it is an abomination to fools to turn away from evil for he who walks with wise men will be wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm so here's again it's not just don't be a fool it's don't hang out with fools now again young people your your parents have another radar system called fool detector and so you need to pay attention here, too. And obviously there's some overlap between all these people, right? The, the Bible is isolating them to, to show different facets of it. But but listen listen to what these people do. 14.7 says, Leave the presence of a fool, or you will, dis- you will not discern the words of knowledge. Ooh. Did, did you hear what that said? If you're hanging around foolish people... After a while, you will not discern knowledge and wisdom and understanding, according to that verse. What is that saying? It's saying they have a profound influence on what you're learning and not learning. This goes right back to 1 Corinthians 15, right? Bad company corrupts good morals. Around the fool. What does the fool say in his heart? There is no God. Okay? So what does that mean? Let, let me tell you about the fool you need to watch out for. This fool is a really nice person. They might be generous. They might be giving. They might be thoughtful. Might be a great boss. Maybe you're working for a fool, right? And some of you are thinking, "Yeah, I'm definitely no, 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 not that, not that kind of fool." You're working for a wonderful, kind, benevolent unbeliever who says in his heart, "There is no God." and you think, man, what type of that's a great friend, right? Well, he's not quite a Christian. We're working on that, but he's a great person. And you know what? Unbelievers, some unbelievers have wonderful qualities, and we can praise the Lord for that, okay? But don't underestimate the influence. Don't think well just because they're a nice person and they don't know Christ that there's nothing negative that's impacting me. Um that's true online, young person, that's true with your friends. So be careful. Here's another woman you want to avoid. Another person. Uh, The Bible presents it as a woman, but obviously this could be a man or a woman. The sexually immoral. And this is where... Now now think about this. Because there's so many dimensions of this. Um... The way that it's presented in the Bible is Solomon talking to his teenage boy, saying, this is the girl you want to run, don't walk, run from. And don't have anything to do with her. But let me expand Let me expand the application of what we're going to talk about here. This is what you... You can put yourself around this type of person in the comfort of your home by watching Netflix. You can put yourself around the influence of this friend on your lunch break on your phone. You can put yourself around this immoral person through dozens of forms of social media and entertainment. You can put yourself around this person by... Cultivating the wrong type of friendships with neighbors of the opposite sex, of co-workers of the opposite sex, etc. Proverbs chapter five. My son, give attention to my wit give attention to my wisdom, incline. Your ear to my understanding that you may observe discretion and your lips may reserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey and smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end she is as bitter as wormwood. She is sharp as any two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways are unstable and she does not know it. Notice that Solomon acknowledges something that is so true when you're getting involved with the wrong type of person, and that is there are ve- there are positive, attractive aspects that you're experiencing toward that person. Her lips drip honey, and smoother than the oil is her speech. Obviously, you wouldn't be attracted to the person if there was nothing attractive. It may be something that's wholesome. It may be something it may be attraction that is uniquely sinful where you're you're sexually attracted to somebody who is not your spouse but listen to solomon's advice verse 7 now then my sons listen to me do not depart from the words of my mouth verse 8 keep your way far from her the One of the wisest things the Bible says to avoid sexual immorality is geographical distancing. What does that mean? It means you keep your laptop in the living room and not your bedroom. It means if there's a person over on that side of the office where you work or that side of the classroom where you go to school... Who is a flirt, who is known for being that type of person, and they're over there, you want to be on the other side. This is the Joseph method of avoiding sexual temptation. You run away, you go far away. Keep your way far from her, do not go near the door. Of her house, do you remember in chapter Seven where he comes back and talks about uh, the, the you know Solomon sitting there with his boys? He looks outside he says, "Son, hey, hey, get a load of this guy and do you remember where the naive man in chapter Seven is hanging out he 's hanging out at the corner where the prostitutes do their business he 's putting himself in the wrong place he 's setting himself up. To fall into sin, and that's why Solomon is saying, "The first step, this is this is spiritual kindergarten, guys. Don't even get near a place where you're going to be tempted." And you know that that's this is true. He's talking about sexual sin. That's true for any temptation, guys. You, you, you may say, "You know what? I'm not really tempted in this area." Well, praise the Lord, but you are tempted somewhere. All of us are, and avoiding putting yourself in a place where you know the temptation will be strong is a wise thing to do to try to avoid it. This is not rocket science. If you're tempted there or there or with this thing or with that show or with that blog or with that person, don't go there. You say, Pastor Keith, that sounds pretty radical. Well, that's exactly what Jesus said to do in Matthew chapter 5 regarding temptation. He said if your, your right eye causes you to sin, what do you do? You pluck it out. Your right hand causes you to sin, what do you do? You cut it off. Better for you to enter heaven with one hand or one eye than for your whole body to go to hell in judgment, Jesus says. So this is actually immoral. Worthless persons. Chapter 6, verse 12. Another person you want to avoid. Chapter 6, verse 12. A worthless person, a wicked man, is the one who walks with a perverse mouth, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who points with his fingers, who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil, who spreads strife, therefore his calamity will come suddenly, instantly he will be broken, and there will be no healing. You say, a worthless person. That doesn't sound politically correct, Pastor Keith. Well, just remember, I didn't say it, God said it. And when the Bible talks about a worthless person, hear me here, I'm, I'm totally serious. When the Bible talks about a worthless person, it's not putting a person down. Like 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 if I'm out playing touch football with somebody, and say, ah, you're worthless. You know, that would be an insult. That would be unkind to them, and I would be... Uh, sinning in my heart toward that person. But when the Bible uses the word worthless, just like when it uses the word fool, it's not a put-down. It's, it's not a, a an ungodly critique of somebody. It's an objective word that says something specific about their spiritual life. They are worthless, n- not as a person, they're worthless in terms of what they're living for and what they're living like. I mean, just listen. Perverse mouth, deception, perversity in his heart, continually devising evil, spreading strife, and in the end, calamity comes. You don't want to be around that type of person. You say, well, how are you going to know that? you got to listen to how they talk. you got to watch how they act. Watch how they interact with people. Little, dece- little deceitful things. Do they exaggerate? Do they, do they relate information in a slightly deceitful way or a very deceitful way? Things like that, so insightful. Angry people, we saw this in the verse we started off with, 22:24. Do not associate with a man given to anger. Um, don't don't go make a friend of that type of person. Uh, chapter 14, verse 17 says the same thing. Uh, a quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. So so you may you may say. You may say, well, that person doesn't have an anger problem. Okay. Uh, we are masters at disguising anger in our culture, aren't we? We say, I got up on the wrong side of the bed, having a bad day, I'm just frustrated, I'm just irritated, I'm just hot under the collar, I just have a short fuse. And that's why the, the, the Bible is so on to us here, isn't it? I mean, the Bible is so on to what we're trying to do. Because it doesn't use the word anger here. What does it say? a quick-tempered man oh oh am i quick to listen slow to speak and slow to anger the way james describes you know one of the pla- one of the times several times when god reveals himself and he's trying to say to his people this is what i'm like god says this about himself merciful gracious compassionate slow to anger and that was the Hebraic way of saying God is patient. It takes a long time for a situation to get to Him. And the Bible says, well, what kind of person are you? The quick-tempered person um, is, is uh, a person you want to avoid. Now, now, just a footnote, and you may be on to me here. Are you a little bit convicted by any of these? Good night, I am, and I have to teach this. Um, all of us, because of our remaining sin in us, have in our hearts the DNA of the wrong kind of friend. And if we're honest, we can be the wrong type of friend to someone else, can't we? Um, I love the hymn, Jesus, What a Friend of Sinners. Isn't that neat? That the Bible says when we see in our own hearts that on our best day, we aren't the perfect friend. We We aren't everything that God wants us to be. That Jesus says, you know what? I'm a friend of sinners. And I'm here to help you. First in the gospel, through conversion, to forgive us, to reconcile us to God, to give us a new heart, a new disposition. And then day by day as we walk with Him, as we... Remember what Paul says to the Corinthians? As we behold Christ, we are changed from glory to glory into His image, 2 Corinthians. Well, think about that in friendship. As we behold Christ, the friend of sinners, the the one who sticks closer than a brother... Right, the, the, If there was a perfect friend, there is only one perfect friend, right? His name is Jesus. And as we behold him, and as we read him in the gospel, and we get to know him in our devotions, as we pray to him, and as we lean on him, and as we grow in his truth, as we behold him, the Bible says, what is the Holy Spirit going to do? He's going to progressively conform us into his image so that we become more and more the friend that God calls us to be. And that, guys, is why there's hope for our situation. We need to remember that. Here's another friend you want to avoid rebels 17.11. 17.11 of Proverbs, chapter seventeen verse eleven you know you know where you see you're, you're thinking I know what you're thinking Star Wars, Keith, I need to be careful of Star Wars because it's all about the rebels. Well that's true. you might want to think about you know whose side you root for there. Um you know where you see rebellion? Where, where do you see rebellion in our culture? Well, it's everywhere, isn't it? What you watch, so much, and I was picking on Star Wars, so much what we watch, the story is written in a way that you end up rooting for the rebel. You end up rooting for the person who morally is the wrong person to root for. You see this in social media. Think of all the social media poets that say, ah, the establishment. Ah, conventional thinking. Ah, established understanding. And they rebel. And and, and there's, guys, there's something in our heart that resonates in the wrong way with rebellion. Oh, if I could just have that knowledge, if I could just get that angle, if I could just access um, what everybody else has missed. It appeals to our pride. That's why rebellion is so dangerous. It it appeals to our pride. Once your pride is engaged, look out. I mean, that's like like hitting the gas of your fallen nature, you know. 17.11. Listen to this. A rebellious man seeks only evil, so a cruel messenger will be sent against him. That's God's punishment, right? Um... Ask yourself this question. As you're thinking about friends, influences, social media, co-workers, neighbors, where do you see little, little caveats? Of, it may not be, you know, I'm seceding from the union. No, wait, no, I can't say that here. Um, it, it may not be that that large, okay? It may be just little nuggets, little seeds of, I refuse to conform. Assuming that, it's a wholesome thing little little anti authority anti establishment we need to be so careful and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not saying that all rebellion is wrong by the way because obviously you know uh, Peter says in the book of Acts we, ha- we must obey God rather than men if you're going to tell us not to preach the gospel okay so there, there is a godly form of rebellion if you want to call it that that's not what I'm talking about What I'm talking about is good old-fashioned, garden-variety, pride-motivated, Genesis 3 type of rebellion. Where in our hearts, we just don't want to submit to what God has told us. The crooked-hearted, if you're still in 17, look back at verse 20. He who has a crooked mind, or we might say a crooked heart finds no good, and he who is perverted in his language falls into evil. What's a crooked-hearted man? This is a person who lacks integrity. This is a person who says one thing and does something different. So be careful of the the person that lacks integrity, or as, as the, I love how the Proverbs puts it, the crooked-hearted man. You'll remember that. How about this, young persons? Those who mock their parents. Chapter 30, verse 11. This is this is shocking. Chapter 11. Chapter 30, verse 11. And I would say, particularly to young people, but this is true even when you get older. Um, watch how a person talks about, thinks about, and relates to their parents. And you can look at that when a person is seven. You can look at it when they're 57. Listen to this. Verse 11, There's a kind of man who curses his father and does not bless his mother. And the word, uh, Egger goes on to say, and that's not the person you want to be, and that's not the person you want to hang out with. Chapter 20, verse 20 says this, He who curses his father or his mother, his lamp will go out in a time of darkness. Uh, There's another one that talks about the the birds coming and picking out your eyes. You know what? None of us have perfect parents. Some of us didn't even know some of our parents. And yet, the type of person God calls us to be is a person who honors our mom and dad in all the seasons of life. Not because they're perfect, not because they're easy to love, not because they're easy to get along with, because I get that, I understand all of those dimensions, um, but because God says, this is how you glorify me. Finally, we have two more categories, the prideful and the self-righteous, we've already seen these, um, if you're still in chapter 30, um, verse 11 there, um, we see in verse 12, um, the... Um, there's a kind of man who is pure in his own eyes, yet is not washed from his filthiness. There's a kind, oh, how lofty are his eyes. His eyelids are raised in arrogance. You don't want to be around the prideful person, the self-righteous person, the, the person that thinks that they're all about themselves. And the violent would be the last category. And we see verses that um, just talk about people that are given to violence. Often that goes with anger. Um, okay? Now, oh, excuse me, what one more. Two more, excuse me. You're supposed to tell me that when I, when I say the last one and you're like, hey, there's three more blanks. Um, the merciless. Look at this. This is one you might not think about. Chapter 20, verse 10. Differing weights and differing measures. Well, that's not the right verse, is it? 21.10, excuse me. The soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no favor, or we might say no mercy in his eyes. Um, The Bible says to us we are to show mercy because we have been shown mercy. Um, And you know how that is. When you've blown it, you want mercy. But we're tempted when the other person has blown it to not show mercy. A true friend is somebody who will show you mercy. And then we have this this last category here, the naive. Now the naive are interesting because they're stupid and they just don't know it. And that that literally is what it means. I'm not trying to put people down. That literally is they really don't have a clue about things they should have a clue. And that's exactly what the Bible is saying. Just, Just look at one verse with me, okay? Chapter 14 verse 15. And I want to show you how even though the naive is hopefully a work in progress, you don't want to hang around him, okay? You do not want to hang around him. Why? Chapter 14 verse 15. The naive believes what? Everything. But the sensible man considers his steps. Look down to 18. The naive inherits foolishness but the sensible are crowned with knowledge the reason you want to be around the naive you don't want to be around the naive is that he doesn't know any better he may not say hey let's go do this horrible thing he may say uh this sounds fun and if you're his friend and you're naive too you're gonna go yeah sounds fun to me too that's not what you want to do so even though the naive we can't be as critical as them as some of these other folks it's still not the friend you want to be around because until he gets a clue, things are not good. Now, why is all of this important? Just look at, we'll just do this in summary fashion for sake of time, but this is why you don't want to hang around people. Because this is what happens to the wicked, to the, to the troublemakers, the, the perverse mouthers, the fools, all the, all the people that we've seen here. Just, just look at some of these, okay? This is not how you want your life to end. He's cut off from God's covenant blessings. Now remember, in the context of Proverbs, we're under the theocratic nation of Israel here. This is the context of the book. Solomon, after all, is the king of Israel. And what he says to his children in chapter 2, verse 22, is that if you continue in the path of the wicked, if you go after the foolish ways of living... You will be cut off from the land. That's 2.22. You'll be cut off from the land. You say, land? Like they're going to kick me out of my house? No, no, no. Cut off from the land looks back to the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12. And the land was a part of the inheritance of the Abrahamic covenant. And what Solomon is saying is, if you continue down that road, you will not inherit the covenant blessings that were promised. What he's saying is, you're cutting yourself off from the people of God. Now, we're not direct uh, recipients of all the covenant blessings of that covenant given to the nation of Israel, but the rest of this stuff does apply. And there are certainly plenty of warnings for the church as well as for the people of God in Israel. He will get wrapped up in his sin. Uh, th- this is the most tragic part, I think, of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 5, that's the, the chapter about the immoral woman and the, the man that goes after her and and commits sin with her sexually, and at the very end of chapter 5, Solomon says this, he will be wrapped up in the cords of his sin, and he'll die in his folly. He he gets all caught up in his sin, like cords wrapped around him, and that's how he dies. The end. And you go, really? And it's meant to sober us. It's meant to us to go, oh, what a tragedy. That he would just die in his folly, having, having the opportunity to repent, but never repenting. We read in chapter 6 a moment ago that sometimes God chooses to, to execute swift, sudden judgment on a person. It says he'll be broken without healing. You, you do not want to be the, on the end of that. Um, he brings trouble upon his house. He has no positive future. That's what 17.13 is sobering. You say, well, what's wrong with having a little fun and hanging out? Because the reality is that will affect your whole house. It affects your family. If you're married, it it affects your wife. If you have kids, it affects your children. It affects people around you in ways you will never imagine. The, the, The web of influence that you have when you fall into sin is incredible. And Solomon says, think about that, right? Be careful about that. Think beyond the moment. Remember what he says in chapter 5? He said, you will be in utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly of Israel. So think about that. And finally, his own devices will come back upon him. Or as Galatians says, um, what a man sows, this he will also reap or as the Bible says elsewhere, be sure that your sin will find you out. Okay? So let's be thankful for the friend of sinners. Let's draw near to him. Let's be wise. Young people, please be wise. Old people, please be wise. And let's try to be the right type of friend. Let's try to find the right type of friend. And let's try to look to the real true friend as we strive to honor him. Father, thank you for... These verses, and um, there's so much here that we need. Give us grace to know you as a true friend, to be a true friend, and to have wisdom to cultivate the right type of friendships. Uh, Lord, we're not looking just to hang out with perfect people. We know that sinners need the gospel. Uh, But Lord, help us to guard our hearts around the people and influences that we put ourselves around, that they would be a part, uh, a help to our sanctification and not a hindrance. Lord, make us wise in these things. We pray for our young people. Protect them. Guard them. Make them wise beyond their age. Help them to listen to godly influences in their life. Spare them, Father, uh, from the influence of ungodly people around them and an ungodly culture around them. Make them lights for the gospel. In Jesus' name. Amen.